you need to understand the severity and the, the seriousness of what we are involved in right now. Um, you, need, you need to understand that when you decide to come to this meeting, or when you decide to be connected with this ministry of prayer, not just prayer, sometimes it's prayer, you need to understand that that is a serious declaration you make in the spirit. You have to understand that this is not just a joke. <laughs> we need to understand that the enemy actually takes this a lot more serious than we are taking this serious. And we become a target for the enemy. We become a target for the enemy. And uh, I've heard uh, stories of people, you know, who, you know, get on fire for God and start to pray dangerous prayers. And then um, a few moments later, they fall ill. Have you ever heard those kind of stories? <laughs> because we don't really understand the kind of battle we're going in. In fact, I remember, because um, uh, I used to lead prayer for the message trust for quite a while. Um, sometime I was away, I think I was on holiday. And uh, someone had to step in for me. And uh, when I came back, they were like, <laughs> how do you do it? <laughs> because they're like, I've just been under the most intense attack of the enemy. Like, it's just, it, I, I could just feel everything coming against me, just trying to lead this prayer group, or lead this, you know, and I was just leading this for a short time. And... Um, you know, and I said to them, well, I don't know if I said this to them at the time, but this is why I thought, I know there is a grace that God has put on me to do this. Um, because if the grace of God is not on you to do certain things and you try to do it, your head will be cut off. Literally. I mean, it might not be physically cut off, but literally the enemy will take you out. Because you have to function under the authority of God and under the obedience. You have to be obedient to what God is calling you to do. I'm just trying to articulate the fact that we are in a, a serious warfare right now. And um, there's a few things that I feel like uh, God has just been stirring in my heart. I want to communicate to you. And uh, is based around the, the story of the nation of Israel going into the promised land. Um, and there's a passage here in Numbers 33:50, And um, this is what the Lord says uh, to Moses. It says, to, uh, to, uh, now the Lord spoke to Moses, um, and it says to him, to say this to the children of Israel, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you have crossed the Jordan into Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Destroy all the engraved stones. Destroy all their molding images. Demolish all all their high places, you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it, for I have given you the land. And then it goes on to say in verse 55. So this is uh, Numbers 33, 55. But if you do not drive the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those who you let remain shall be Irritants in your eyes and thorns in your in your flesh, thorns thorns in your side, and they will harass you in the land where you dwell. 
And what strikes me uh, when the Lord is speaking to Moses to speak to the children of Israel, now they're about to go into the promised land. And the Lord speaks to them in a language of warfare. The Lord speaks to the children of Israel in very strong language. Listen to this. Drive them out. Destroy the molding images. Demolish the high places. Dispossess the inhabitants of the land. That's not casual. Drive them out. Destroy the molding images. Demolish the high places. Dispossess the inhabitants of the land. See, Lord was calling them to go into a land that he'd promised for them to have. But the fact that the Lord had given them the promise did not mean they did not have to do anything. When God gives a promise, many times when God releases a word, that word is going to be tested by adversity. And one finding today with many believers is we don't know we're in warfare. We, and many of us don't know how to fight. See, I lead prayer meetings quite a bit. And sometimes I'll come and say, okay, right now we're all going to pray in the spirit. Okay? And maybe in the room there's momentum for about 30 seconds. After 30 seconds, everyone is quiet. Or maybe after a minute or two minutes, most people, maybe some places, maybe even two, three minutes, and all of a sudden people are just quiet. It's like the momentum drops. Because somehow we ourselves are not built up to be able to just charge. How can we be an army if as individuals we're not soldiers? We cannot be an army if we're not soldiers. And the land that the Lord is calling us to go and possess, see, this is the interesting thing. The nation of Israel, if they went into that land and did nothing, war was already declared against them by default. That is exactly where we're at right now. And um, uh, one of the youth pastors in Manchester, Tony, from King's Church, after prayer storm, he sent me this. Because, you know, at the end of prayer, someone were releasing that declaration, um, uh, no retreat, no surrender. And he came in towards the end, and he sent me this, which I just read today, and I thought it's very significant for what I'm just sharing with you right now. He says, he said, so he sent me, he said, James, I just had this thought, and I felt like I should share it. And he also posted it on our community page on Facebook. He says, if we never actually declare war, we are able to live in compromise with our enemy, and go back to old ways, void of conviction, because our enemy isn't really our enemy. Our enemy has now simply become our neighbor. <laughs> the Israelites show us this over and over, that it corrupts our walk with God. Declaring war means that I when I find myself back in old habits or I find myself agreeing with old mindsets, I will react as if I, I will react as if I've woken up next to an enemy and not a friend, and instantly set about putting things to death. When I encounter an enemy in the life of a friend, okay, I'll read that again. When I encounter an enemy in the life of a friend, I won't greet it like a friend. 
In other words, when you encounter, when you're talking to a friend, you encounter an enemy, any friend, you won't greet, <laughs> let me read it again. <laughs> Get it? You won't greet the enemy as a friend, but I will, I will oppose it and seek to deliver my friend because I have made a declaration of war and there will be no truce. That's, that's powerful. No compromise. Our enemy has become our neighbor. You see, later on, the Lord says to them in uh, Deuteronomy 7.22, it says, And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy all of them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. That's Deuteronomy 7.22. Now, in that verse I just read, it says, the Lord will drive out those nations. In the verse I read before in Numbers 35, 50, it says, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, they'll become a thorn in your side. So, on one side, the Lord says he will drive them out. On the other side, he says you drive them out. So, the question is, who is driving them out? It's you. Under the authority of God. Because God is not flesh and blood. God was not flesh and blood manifested in the nation of Israel. He was the spiritual force behind their natural battle. And the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So, if they went through that, it's a picture of something that God is calling us to in the New Testament lifestyle. That... We are the ones that do the warfare, but he empowers us to do the warfare. He says, submit yourself to the Lord and resist. He didn't say, submit yourself to the Lord and then ask me to come and resist the enemy on your behalf. Jesus will not resist the enemy on your behalf when you're supposed to resist the enemy. Submit yourself to the Lord and you do the resisting. See, um, I've become more aware of just... now. We, we, we are in warfare all the time. But there's certain times when you become more aware. <laughs> because it's like the things in your life just start to become clearer that you're being hit on every side. <laughs> and it's like, okay, this is serious. This, this is not a joke. When you say, I declare war, the devil is hearing you. <laughs> and you better don't just say it out of an emotional charge right now. Let it translate into lifestyle. How many of you here would say you felt like you... Now, I know many Christians use this quite a lot. I'm under attack. I don't kind of use those kind of words all the time. But there are times where I said to Becky, I think we're under some... (laughs) No, we're we're not under. We're over in Jesus' name. (laughs) And I say it all the time. The enemy is under our feet. (laughs) So anything that's under my feet will not dominate my head. However, I have felt the opposition. How many of you can relate to the fact that, I mean, this may not be everyone here, but I've been talking to some people and they've been like, you know, in the last few weeks, it felt like there's been an increase of just intensity. Anyone can relate to that here? Anyone? Okay, some people. Okay. (laughs) So it's not just me. There's been an increase of intensity of the battle we're in. Now, the problem with the church is most of us are not... We're not strong. And we, we, we're not strong in spirit. 
Okay? So when the battle intensifies, we're just, we're just falling like flies. And we're not being equipped to be strong. So instead of evicting the enemy, many of us are cohabiting with the enemy. We're accepting things that we should not accept. We're tolerating things that we should not tolerate. See, the Lord says to the nation of Israel, if you go into the land and you just chill out, guess what happens? You start to cohabit with the enemy and you, they, they will become a thorn in your side. They will begin to have an impact over you. You will not be able to exercise authority over them because you've already come into agreement with them. We have to declare war against the things that we've accepted is okay right now. I say it all the time. We can't have authority over an enemy that we're sleeping with. Samson slept with the enemy at night and fought with the enemy in the daytime. He fought with the enemy in the daytime and slept with the enemy at night. We can't exercise authority and expect to really advance the kingdom with that Samson-type mindset. You can't sleep with the enemy at night and try to fight him in the day, or fight with him in the day and then sleep with him at night. It's we break every agreement with the enemy. Whatever form it looks like, whatever form it takes, we're saying, Lord, we will not tolerate any bit of the enemy in our hearts, in our emotions, in our lives, in any way, shape, or form. No to it. See, and in these times when the enemy is releasing all kinds of stuff and things are happening, many times what happens is uh, one of the things that I've noticed is insecurities. Every area that has not really been dealt with becomes magnified. Everything that God has been trying to deal with in your life that you've not really come to submission to God with, it becomes magnified and it becomes the bullseye focus of the enemy. That's what I'm saying to you. If the Lord has been dealing with you in certain areas, this is not the time to play a game. It's time to say, Lord, whatever you're saying, I'm saying yes to it. And I'll give you an example. There's some people, I mean, this is not everyone. There's some people, the issue that they're just struggling with is just insecurity and jealousy. And it's just, it's just always getting at them. They're always jealous of God using other people. They're always jealous of what's happening in another person's life. They're always comparing themselves to other people, okay? And it becomes something that if you don't deal with it, when the emotions start to arise, I'll give you an example. So someone starts to do something and God starts to promote your friend or something starts to happen around you and you start to, this, this emotion of jealousy starts to stir up in you and somehow you excuse it. Many people do that, you know? They don't confront what's going on. They sugarcoat it and give an excuse for the emotion and say, oh, well, maybe it's because they're this or it's because maybe they said this last week. And, you know, they look for an excuse to cover up what actually God is actually exposing in them. So what happens is that's not dealt with there. A few weeks down the line or a few months down the line, maybe a few years down the line, another situation arises. But this time around, you're in a different position. Maybe you're in a, in a, in a different position where you have greater influence over certain people. That same emotion arises because you didn't deal with it the first time. Now you don't deal with it. It becomes even more pronounced. And you begin to react out of that emotion and begin to hurt a lot of people around you, but it's based out of the insecurity in your own heart because you're not, you, you're not 
you're kind of comparing yourself to other people. Now, those other people will be looking at you thinking, what's this you're doing? And it's kind of like bad breath. You're the last one to know you've got it. Because the issue that God was trying to deal with when it came up a few months down the line, because you didn't deal with it back then, now it's become a blind spot. And you don't even know you've got it. And you're living out of this insecurity and out of this lifestyle. You've excused that. Now, that's just an example. You can multiply that into other areas of life. So there are things that we've become comfortable with that actually, it's kind of like some of us, our conscience has been said. Because we've constantly resisted the Holy Spirit in a certain area. And the enemy already has a foothold there. And because the enemy has a foothold, he's using that to bring all kinds of torments. When the enemy gets a foothold, you know he's going to have a stronghold. He's not just going to take a tiny bit. You can't give them this tiny bit. You give them this tiny bit, it takes a massive, that's exactly what it does. God is calling us to declare war against the enemy. Like, seriously stand against the enemy. The people of God were cohabiting with the enemy they were called to evict because they, they had not grown, sorry, the people of God were cohabiting with an enemy they were called to evict because they had grown comfortable and they had not learned to use their weapons of war. They were forfeiting their inheritance for the sake of present comfort. They were forfeiting their future, actually their present inheritance. They're forfeiting their, their inheritance for the sake of feeling comfortable. Because they'd gained some ground. But they hadn't gained all the ground God wanted them to gain. So they were kind of okay where they were. Not realizing there's more ground to gain. And God wanted them to step forward. Um... I want you to look at Judges 3. Judges 3 1. This is a picture of the comfortable generation that will not learn war or that is not learning war. I find this passage really interesting. Now, these, look at Judges 3 verse 1. It says, Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. So the nations that, we, that I'm reading about here are some of the nations that were not conquered. Because, you know, they went into the promised land and there were still a lot of nations they needed to conquer to expand the territory and to gain more of the inheritance God had given them. It wasn't like they stepped into the promised land and all the enemies kind of just left. You know, there was still a lot of ground for them to gain. Now, look at this again. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. Uh, that is... All who had not known any of the wars of Canaan, in brackets, it says in my Bible, in the New King James, this was only so that the generation of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. You did just read what I just read. <laughs> Look at what it says. This is so that the generation of Israel, now talking about the generation that were born in the promised land, that they will be taught to know war, at least those who had not known it. Because you've got to understand, the children of Israel stepped into the promised land, they became comfortable, and they had children in the promised land. And those children who were born in the promised land, all they know is what they were born into. And they did not know war. 
They did not know how to fight because they were very comfortable in that environment. And when I was thinking about this, I feel like this is where we are as a church. Many of us are comfortable where we are. And I see many young people who maybe, I mean, this is not everyone, but especially I see this sometimes with young people who are brought up in Christian homes. They become very comfortable with God. They become very comfortable with their faith. And because they did not learn to fight for their faith, they easily lose their faith. And actually, I find that when you've not fought for something, you don't value it as much as when you fought for it. See, me standing on this pulpit right now speaking, I have fought battles to stand here. You don't just, some people want a microphone (laughs) to speak in front of a crowd. And I will say, this microphone comes with its own challenges. There are battles that this comes with. And I value what God has done up until now. And I know there's still more battles to fight. But this was not just given to me on just like, you know, just there. You just, I, I didn't just inherit this. Even though there's a dimension of inheritance, spiritual inheritance, prophecy, you know, before I go here, all this was written in books and the Lord did, ordained this. There were still battles I, have, I had to fight to be where I am now, and there's still more battles I have to fight to step more into the fullness of the destiny God has for me. And the more I learn to fight those battles, the more I will learn to value the place God puts me in when I'm there. And many Christians are just very casual and don't value even the faith they had because they don't even, they've not learned how to fight for it. They've just been comfortable. And what I find in the church is we're giving birth to lukewarm Christians because the Christians who are coming into the church are coming into a lukewarm environment. So guess what? They accept that as normal. Just like the children of Israel who were born in the promised land. All they know is the promised land. So that is their normal. Whereas there are people in the church who know in their hearts that they're lukewarm. They know that they're not where God wants them to be in their passion for him. But they've accepted that as okay. And then the person who becomes a believer in that environment, then they go, well, I guess this is normal Christianity. <laughs> and just kind of goes along. And what I find is we, we end up reproducing after our kind, which is scary. I believe God is calling us to be the children of Israel who will learn war. The Lord wanted them to learn war. So he left some enemies there for them to fight. I found as well that some of the greatest saints are some of the saints that have fought some of the greatest battles. Personally, in their personal lives, in relationships, in family, whatever. I've just found that, I mean, look at Paul and look at the battles he fought. Read Corinthians and how it talks about all the things, you know, fighting with beasts and being shipwrecked. And you, you read some of the things they went through and you realize they've got the scars, which are kind of like stars <laughs> of their achievements in the spirit. My question to you is what are your achievements in the spirit? Have you got scars that have turned into stars? Do you get what I'm trying to say? That the, 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 the things that are being thrown at us, that we're not just 
wallowing in them. Because what tends to happen is the enemy starts to come against people of God, and we just wallow in that place. Oh, God, woe is me. Lord, where are you? Lord, why me? Why? We just complain, and we grumble, and we say, God, why? And we do not know that God is trying to teach us some things in war. He's trying to teach us to fight. Many of us have not known how to fight. And our prayer meetings prove it. Because I say, let's pray. 20 seconds and we run out of steam. Jesus prayed seven hours. Now, I'm not trying to condemn us. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to say, God is calling us to be warriors, people. And warriors need to learn how to fight. The promised land has been, uh, the, the, the promised land being the intention of God does not guarantee that you automatically possess it. The earth is littered with forfeited inheritance. Not people who weren't called to do great things, not people who weren't called to make a difference, but people who wouldn't pay the price to take possession of what was rightfully theirs. The fact that something is rightfully yours does not mean it just easily comes to you. There's a process you have to go through. Okay, I kind of emphasize that point enough now. Now, what I want to talk about is developing a strong spirit. Actually, before I say that, I want to say some of these statements. Those who do not learn to declare war are influenced by that which they're supposed to be influencing. Those who do not learn to declare war end up conforming to the system as opposed to changing the system. We have to declare war against anything that looks like not Christ. In us, around us, everywhere we go, we have to have... Listen to this. You need to find your war mode. <laughs> Do you know those toys where you can just switch them into like demo mode and it just does all that stuff? You need to find your war mode. That's what I believe God's calling us to right now. To take up our weapons and begin to learn how to use it in warfare, in fighting. Um, a few scriptures here. Luke 180, it says of John the Baptist, it says, John grew strong in spirit and was in the desert. Luke, 1, Luke 240, it says, and Jesus, became, Jesus grew and became strong in spirit. So John grew strong in spirit. Jesus grew strong in, spirit, uh, uh, grew strong in spirit. There's something significant about growing strong in spirit that I believe is directly related to what we're able to accomplish in the spirit realm in advancing God's purposes. It's directly related to us being strong in our spirit. So I want to ask you, how much do you exercise your spirit? If we're called to be in war, then we need to be soldiers. If we're called to be soldiers, then we need to be strong in spirit. If we're called to be strong in spirit, then we need to exercise. You don't get strong by doing nothing. And you don't get strong by accident. Now, what I'm about to say may be harsh. You may think it's harsh, but you need to take it with love from James. 
if all you do is read your morning devotional and say a few prayers here or there, that will not get you strong. If all you do is come to prayer storm and go to your church service, that will not make you strong. In fact, by default, you're going to go weaker. Because what we are facing, the tide, is we're swimming against the tide, okay? And we're swimming upstream, okay? And the tide coming downstream is like 50 miles an hour, and we're swimming upstream. By default, if you do nothing, you're swept away. So if you try to swim against the tide, and you're swimming 50 miles an hour, just like 50 miles an hour is coming against you, what happens? You remain in the same position. So, you know, if you apply the same force upstream that's coming downstream, no progress will be made. In other words, to actually advance in the spirit, you need to apply a force that's greater than that which is coming against you. Welcome to the lifestyle of spiritual violence. Matthew eleven twelve, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. We are breeding a generation of wimpish Christians that do not know how to swim upstream. We're very comfortable with our nice worship music and our Christian conferences, but we're weak in spirit. I always say the Apostle Paul did not have an iPod in his prison cell to listen to worship music. Yeah, he was a man who walked with God. So don't tell me I need someone, a nice, you know, a, a worship band playing on my iPod for me to be able to connect with God. What makes you think you cannot worship if everyone in the room is out of tune and singing in different notes? Or the band on stage is out of tune? Because worship is not music anyway. We, we have, we, we, we're superficial Christians who are just propped up by all this external stuff. But we're not strong. We are not strong. And when I'm saying that to you, I'm saying that to me. God is calling us to be strong in spirit. You will not get strong in spirit by just doing your five-minute devotional in the morning. That will not get you strong in spirit. I'm telling you from experience. So what is going to get you strong in spirit? Well, first off, you have to make up your mind that you want to be strong in spirit. Once you've made up your mind you want to be strong in spirit, then we can, we can make some progress. If you want to be weak in spirit and be constantly bombarded by all the distractions and temptations of the world, and you just feel you're constantly just lack of focus, you come to worship, nothing in your heart, you come to pray, nothing there, it's constantly just disengaged with God. If you're happy with that, well, good. For you, but I am not happy with that. And I want to grow strong in spirit. You know, when I'm talking about just the enemy attacking this last few weeks, um, actually, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on this one part of growing strong in spirit. I, I started, I'm just going to be honest, I started feeling all these things emotionally that I didn't, I didn't, I've not felt for a while. I just started feeling all this emotional, it was like an attack on my emotions. And I was just thinking, what's going on? What's, what's going on? I knew something was going on. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew something was going on. Um, so I just, um, 
remembered something that I had not been doing as often as I used to. Praying in tongues. I went to my room, prayed in tongues for an hour. It was gone just like that. Many of you can pray in tongues, but I'm, I, I'm imagining most of us don't pray in tongues that much. Maybe just a few seconds, a few minutes. I want to challenge you. You want to grow strong in spirit? One of the tools you cannot afford to not use is this I'm talking about right here. I don't have time to go into scriptures. It says in Corinthians, he who prays in tongues edifies himself. And then Jude, one chapter in Jude, 120, it says, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the spirit, which can be also praying in tongues. How much time do you pray in tongues every day? I want to challenge you for the rest of this month. Try to pray in tongues. Maybe if you only pray in tongues five minutes, try to pray in tongues 30 minutes every day for the rest of this month and see what happens. And if you want to take it further, try to pray in tongues an hour every day. Now, when I come to prayer meetings and I say, we're going to press into prayer right now, and we're going to pray in the Spirit, and I say, you know, I say we lose momentum after two minutes. You know why? Because many of us are not used to doing that behind closed doors at home. You know, when you go to the army and the general says, Gives me, give me 100 push-ups, and they just boom, boom, just, because they do that all the time, they're used to it. It's part of their routine. If it's part of your routine and you come into a meeting and we're going to go, you're ready to go. But if it's not part of your routine and we're going to go and pray together, you just get tired quickly because you don't have any internal stamina. See, most of us are treating our spirits with just snacks. And you feed your body like three meals and more with dessert, yet your spirit, you give a snack, one snack a day. And you expect your spirit to be strong? See, what I've found is the more I've prayed in the spirit, it's got to a point where my, your spirit is no longer inside your body. Your body goes inside your spirit. Because as you pray in the Spirit, it's like your spirit starts to enlarge. You want to grow strong in spirit? Learn to pray in tongues for extended amounts of time, just focusing on God. You want to grow strong in spirit? Get in the Word. How much time do you spend in the Word? Your five-minute devotional will not cut it in this season. If you want to be a warrior. Civilians can, you know, can do civilian stuff. If you want to be a warrior, that will not cut it right now. The Lord is calling us to invest 
in our spirit. And I hope you hear the heart that I'm saying this from. Because I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying it hard, as it needs to be said. Generals don't talk soft to the army. <laughs> right? You can take this. I've had people misunderstand me and misquote what I'm saying. <laughs> so I am not trying to say you're not a Christian if you don't pray seven hours a day. I'm not asking you to go and lock yourself and pray seven hours a day. Before. I'm just saying, invest in your spirit. <laughs> invest in your spirit. Not everyone has got seven hours a day. I don't have seven hours a day to pray seven hours a day. I mean, I do pray. I am a man of prayer by God's grace, but I want to give as much time as is possible. So I want to challenge you to examine your day, even right now. Maybe you can give an extra hour, an extra 30 minutes. You need to start where you're at, because I know I'm talking huge figures, and you're like, God, I've never even done that for 15 minutes. Don't be intimidated. Just start where you are. Just start where you are. But the point is, you have to make up your mind that you want to invest in your spirit. And start feeding your spirit snacks. Start to feed your spirit some real food. If we're all to see our spirit man right now, some of us would just be, some of us would just pass out faint. Like, that can't be me. <laughs> because our spirit man is so malnutritioned. Um, we need to get in the word. You need to spend time reading the word. You need to spend time meditating the word. Um, and then one of the ways you also grow strong in spirit is you need to learn how to minister to the Lord. I don't have time to go into it, but it says of Samuel that he ministered to the Lord before the, you know, the ark, you know, the presence of God. He stayed there, just ministering to the Lord. This was way before God even spoke to him in an audible voice. He learned how to minister. When you minister to the Lord, it's exactly as it sounds. It's not about you. It's about him. You're ministering to him. You're there to please him. The songs you're singing, they're for his pleasure. It's not for you to feel good. You're ministering to God. That's worship. The word. Prayer. Now, take those three things I've said and put them into your Daily routines. Put them into your daily routines minus you praying for your needs. Have you ever heard people say, I prayed for seven hours? And you're thinking, what were you doing? <laughs> oh, I prayed for eight hours. Well, look at this. This is just an example. You can read the Bible for an hour. You can pray in tongues for another hour. You can minister to the Lord for another hour. You can wait on God in silence for another hour. You can choose to pray in tongues again for another hour. You can then decide to pray for a few things that are on your heart another hour. That's six hours. It's not as hard as you think. Six hours might be huge to you. Well, break it down to 15-minute blocks. You can pray in tongues for 15 minutes. You can read the word for another 15 minutes. You can worship and spend time just ministering for another 15 minutes. You can spend another 15 minutes just being silent and waiting on God. That's an hour. For the, if you think an hour is a big deal. Are you with me? 
It's not as hard as you make it out to be. And everything I've said right there, they're just the, the gym. In. It's like you're in the gym. You're just doing the routines. You're just building your muscles. We're not even talking about asking and intercession and praying for things. You're just doing that. You're building. I don't read the Bible because I have to preach. I don't, I don't pray. My prayer life is not dependent on my preaching diary. I don't pray more because I've got preaching engagement in South Africa. <laughs> Even though something happened recently about that. But let's not go there. <laughs> no, I don't pray more because I've got some major speaking engagement coming up. Oh, God, I'm going to preach with T.D. Jakes. I'm going to pray hard now. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I'm really serious. It doesn't bother me. I read the Bible and I pray because I want to build my spirit. I'm feeding my spirit the word. Feed my spirit prayer. Feed my spirit the presence of God. And as I feed my spirit, I feel the strength and the warfare is easier. The things that you're finding hard right now, they will be a lot easier if you would learn to feed your spirit. You're struggling because your spirit is weak. And I was struggling because my spirit was not where it needed to be. But as I built my spirit, what seemed difficult was just like boom, 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 boom. Easy. I'm telling you, if you would not just hear me, but do this, within the next, just give yourself a few days, the atmosphere of your whole heart will change. The, the emotional things you feel heavy, they will just start to lift. I know this happens. I'm not talking theory. I'm talking from experience. But many times we listen to things like this and go, that's a great idea, and do nothing about it. But I want to challenge you. Maybe you might want to make a commitment with your spouse or with, you know, a close friend and say, you know, I, I really want to grow strong in spirit. Let's, let's go to the gym, spiritual gym together. <laughs> Are you with me? Let, let's go with, let's, 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 and when I'm doing this, I'm imagining myself just working out in the gym. Have you heard of Arnold? You know, I think he was Mr. Universe about seven times. Is that right? Yeah. He was like the strongest man in the world. He was. Is that correct? I'm sure he was. I read that somewhere. Am I making this up? Does anyone know this at all? He was. That's right. And it was said that he would work out so much in the gym to the point where he passed him, he passed out. He worked out so much, he, he just passed out. And he, he will work out till he passed out. Now, how does he become the strongest man in the universe? He worked out a lot. Some people went to the gym and did like their 15, 20-minute bits and they were out. The people that stay the longest most times understand what they're doing and Am I, am I, anyone goes to the gym here? <laughs> you know, it's like he worked out so much. And then you, I'm running up now. You think about what um, Paul the Apostle said. What did Paul the Apostle say? I thank God that I pray in tongues more than you all. He said that to a whole church. No wonder he was strong in spirit. How? If he says he's praying, I mean, he's not going to be lying. He must have been doing a lot of praying in tongues. It's like he was doing a lot of spiritual work out. It gets to the point when you start to pray in tongues, 
a lot, spending a good amount of time daily just cultivating this, where your spirit begins to open up. Your spiritual senses will begin to open up. You will begin to have dreams. You begin to see visions. You begin to sense and discern things you didn't used to sense and discern before. Many of us are blunt in this, as in we're not sharp spiritually, so we're not able to discern the things we're supposed to discern. Things would just begin to come to you more easily. I'm telling you, there is great benefit in learning how to invest in your spirit. And I want to encourage you in your time with the Lord, even right now, and I'd like the band to come up, please, because we're going to round up now and pray. I'd like you to, as you pray, just begin to think and talk to God. Father, how can I restructure my my times with you um, such that I give a good amount of time to just to, 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 to develop my spirit. You know, it's kind of like going to the gym and doing cardio. <laughs> There's some things that you do that you just have to do before you can get to the other stuff. Are you with me? So I'm not even talking about intercession, praying for your family, praying for... I'm talking about you and your spirit. All, all that stuff can be the add-on. You, how much work are you investing? That's what we're talking about. And you and the Lord, you know, just talk. Ask the Lord, how can I restructure my time to invest more time in this season to develop my spirit? Because I cannot afford to be cohabiting with the enemy. No. I need to declare war, and it's not just an emotional thing. I need to live it out. That's why my spirit needs to be strong. Do you understand with me? We're going to go into some time of prayer right now. And I know it's, it's going to 10 o'clock. If you need to leave, please feel free to do that because we're going to officially start to round the meeting up right now. However, I want to do something. <laughs> There's some things in my heart I can't even share just yet. <laughs> However, I want to do something today. We tend to do this quite often. But I feel to just open this altar up for you to come forward and say, Lord, I want to invest in my spirit like I've never done in this season. And I am declaring war against the enemy in my family, in my life, in my finances, in my business, anywhere. I, whatever it takes, Lord, I'm going to be sharp in the spirit. Whatever it takes, God, I am going to be strong in the spirit. I will not be a spiritual wimp. I refuse that, Lord. That is not who you've called me to be. You've called me to be strong in spirit. And I will invest in my spirit. I don't want you to come forward if you don't mean it. And I don't want you to come forward because it's what we do in these meetings. I only want you to come forward as a sign of you saying yes to God in this season.
So I want to invite you to come forward right now. We're going to declare war. We are not wimps. We're soldiers. And by coming forward, we're taking our positions of war. We're going to go to the spiritual gym. We're going to build spiritual muscle. We're going to get in the word, not to get a sermon, but to see his face again. We're going to pray in the spirit. We're going to worship. We're going to wait before the Lord like we've never done before. This is our season to advance. So we will be strong. We are end time warriors in an end time army. Gaining ground for the kingdom of God in our generation. We will not retreat and we will not surrender because we are called to be an army. We are fighters. We are strong in the spirit. We will not be discouraged. We will not be downcast. We will not be depressed and oppressed. We take up our positions of war and we sharpen our swords. We put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel of peace. We put on the whole armor of God. We put on the armor of light. The glory of God is our right God. And we take up the sword of the Spirit. And we put on a fierce look on our faces. Because we understand the severity of the battle. We take up the shield of faith as we stand in our battle ranks. Rightly aligned next to one another. Ready to advance. We are the army of God and we will not retreat and we will not surrender. We will be strong in the spirit. We build spiritual muscle. We build each other up. We will not conform to society and the culture and the system. We will change the system. We will change the world. We will change the nation. We will change the nations. We arise, warriors. We arise as warriors of God right now.